Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Renegade, Renegade Talk Radio. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Kristan Harris. American Journal, I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris, and I'll be filling in for none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Harrison Smith. We have a lot to be going over today, so make sure you're punching that like button, sharing the live feed, and Get a hold of your friends. Tell them to tune, tune in to today's broadcast, and I promise you, on today's show, you will not hear another program in the world like today's broadcast. And today's broadcast, we're going to be going over what does it mean to be an individual, and who are you? Do you ever ask yourself who you might be? And in the first hour, we'll have a guest, Ryan Gable, will be joining us from The Secret Teachings. We'll be diving into programming, occultism. And in the second hour, we're going to talk pros and cons of transhumanism. And our guest will be Zoltan Isfan, transhumanist leader and influencer. And in the third hours, we may get to your phone calls. There's a lot of news to cover today. So hang in there and don't go anywhere. Before we jump into things today, I, I was listening to a couple broadcasts over the last few days of the American Journal and everyone was sharing their Alex Jones story and we're going to probably dive into that real quick in the beginning here but before we do I want to mention today's broadcast will be solely about feeding your brain and planting ideas on fertile soil and there's no better way than picking up the great reset by Alex Jones and I highly recommend you do I got a copy right here and I'm going to put out a challenge there for you guys if anyone picks up for the first 10 people who pick up an autographed copy of the great reset by Alex Jones, I'm going to throw in a very free rundown live t-shirt. We're talking swag here, quality stuff, and uh, you'll get that very simply. Just send an email to show tips with a copy of your receipt at Infowars.com for the first three hours. So don't forget that challenge is out there for the first 10 people who pick up a copy. And I suggest you pick up two copies because that's how I buy my vinyl records. You buy the first one to keep and the second one to save in case it goes up in value, as autographs quite often do. Uh, and then you sell it and it pays for both. And you got a copy or you give it to a friend of somebody else who can plant ideas into the garden of their mind. And as we're diving into this today, it's interesting the personal journey I have taken to come here today and to be on this show filling in for the legendary Harrison Smith. Um, my, my journey started a little bit peculiar, a little bit different than maybe yours. But in the end, we all end up in a very similar spot here on Infowars.com. First of all, I want to mention that uh, who am I? Who is Kristan T. Harris? Well, according to ChatGPT, because that's how people are doing things these days, Kristan T. Harris is an independent journalist, researcher, and radio host based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right, I'm in Wisconsin. He is the founder and owner of The Rundown Live, a website radio show that covers a wide range of topics related to politics, technology, science, and culture. Harris is known for his coverage of conspiracies, the paranormal, and alternative health. He has conducted interviews with a variety of notable figures, including political leaders, activists, authors. He has also been involved in a number of independent media projects and is a frequent speaker at conferences, events, 
focused on free speech, civil liberties, and media. Harris is an advocate of individual liberty, and his work often explores topics related to government surveillance, censorship, and privacy. He has been featured on a number of major media outlets, including the New York Times, Rolling Stones, and Vice. And they'll say something very different about me than what ChatGPT did, which is interesting to me because this is kind of more accurate. The New York Times called me the little cousin of Alex Jones, which, you know, I'm proud to wear wear that title because, you know, Alex is a great looking guy. He's smart, intelligent, and we should all aspire to feed our brain with great ideas and information. That being said, my journey through life has been very different. I've always been a person who has followed my passions. And it started out back in the year 2007. I was a touring musician. I was doing an infamous tour known as Van's Warp Tour. And on the late night drives, we were always struggling to find information on the radio. And one night we tuned in. Listening to the American Journal with your host, Kristan Harris. We all have a different story out there of how we've gotten involved in this movement, and mine was very interesting. I started out as a musician touring, doing bands warp tour as a record label exec and a musician. And while we were driving late at night, it was always hard to find information and things to listen to. And it started out by listening to Coast to Coast AM, my interest in, uh, you know, inconvenient truths and interesting topics that we'll be talking about today. It's wild to think that while I was on the tour, a band out there named A Feral Rescue recommended I check out Alex Jones. And it wasn't long before a TV repairman suggested I check out Alex Jones as well, many years later. And finally, I downloaded the app and Hey, here we are today talking to you guys about who you are as an individual. We're we're easily programmed. We're easily programmed from the day we are born until the day that we get into high school. The teachers are programming us. We're also programmed in many different ways. When we're young and out of the womb, first thing we get when we're children, is Happy Meals at McDonald's to teach us how to be corporatist consumers. It's fascinating. Fascinating to think about. So my question is, is where does the programming start? And I have a book that's coming out called The Esoteric Journal, The Magic Behind Words. And today we're going to dive into that a little bit. Do you know how you're being programmed every day? How when you turn on the TV or you have your tablet on, that you are being attacked subliminally through imagery quite often. Look at your TV. Images are shown at 30 frames per second. It's not hard for them to slide in a image there and your your eyes don't recognize it, right? But your brain processes that information. We're looking at how do we deal with our cognitive dissonance? How do we deal with our logical fallacies? Well, I'm going to tell you right now 
that we need to face these things in order to plant healthy ideas in our brain. Do you eat GMO information? What kind of information are you planting in your brain? And sometimes you get weeds. Those weeds are the cognitive dissonance. It isn't hard to find scraps of this information out there, one of them being the way we are programmed using language. Language is a very important tool, and language is made through symbols. Symbols that are out there to program who you are and tell you what to do. There is a reason why we look at things like these symbols and we contemplate and have reactions to them. There's a reason why they call it spelling. The process of putting symbols together to have meaning is not called wording, right? It's called spelling. What does it mean to cast a spell? What does it mean to cast a curse or a curse in cursive? Well, when we start taking a deep dive into these symbols and how they impact us on a daily going in our modern day of busy life, we don't stop to think where these symbols come from and how do they subliminally impact us. You can go no further than just to look at the first letter in our alphabet. The first letter in our alphabet is a capital A. But how many of you notice that when you look at a capital A, it's actually a pyramid with an all-seeing eye? This is not accidental. This symbol is located on the back of our dollar bill. And for those that are out there and new to this, this is also known as something called the chief cornerstone. What is the chief cornerstone? Well, according to symbols of the church, the cornerstone, the cornerstone and abbreviations and Greek word for Jesus Christ symbolizes him who is declared to be the chief cornerstone, which the builders rejected. But it has different meaning to different societies. And everywhere we go, we are being subliminally programmed. If you look at the back of the dollar bill, you see the capital A. It's a pyramid with an all-seeing eye on the back of your money. So what makes the chief cornerstone different from any other cornerstone? Because there is a difference. A chief cornerstone is called that because you cannot lay another brick on top of it. It is the top stone and the most important. So if you're a mason, you cut it off so you can lay another brick of foundation on there. And that's why in the back of the dollar bill and in, in the capital A, the pyramid on the top is separate from the base of the cornerstone. All that meaning is hidden in just one letter of our alphabet. In the church, it's called the Eye of Providence because Jesus was the chief cornerstone that was rejected. 
and masonry. It is the chief cornerstone, the top of laying bricks that you cut off in order to put another brick on top of it. In the cult of the Illuminati, it is representative, most likely, of Adam Weishaupt and his rejection of the Jesuits, who rejected his ideology and his dystopic forerunner to the Communist Party through the League of the Just. When you dive into this information, this is just starting with the simple letter A, you can see that there's a lot more meaning to the language we use and the symbols we see on the daily basis. These symbols turn into vibrations that you speak and impact other individuals. If you put those symbols together in a certain fashion, it may lead to a charming effect, help you get that date with that attractive other that you've been trying to go out with. Maybe it'll help you get a better deal on a car and have a charming effect. Or it might anger somebody. Because if you're angry, if you're easy to anger, you're also easy to manipulate. How many of you out there are angry? You're angry at different ideologies. You're angry at the fact that the United States is acting like a third world country going after former presidents that are popular. You're angry at the fact that they want children to be able to consent to genital mutilation and change their identity. They don't even know who they are at that age. Does your three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old know who they are? I want you to think about that. And what does it mean when we use these words and when we stitch them together, it's called a curse? Or the curse and curse. Do you let words curse you and hurt you? See, we're programmed, whether it's the symbols on the back of the dollar bill or it's the golden arches at McDonald's, that every time you drive by, you want to get one of those filthy, slimy, slimy burgers sliding down your throat and those french fries or nuggets or whatever your dirty habit is. When's the last time you thought of creating your own meal? And how do we pro deprogram ourselves? We'll be diving into that and a whole bunch more when we come back. You're listening to the American Journal. I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris, filling in for Harrison Smith. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. 
With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. Turbo Force is back, sold out for eight months, and it's Turbo Force Plus. We made it even stronger, the strongest long term energy you're going to find anywhere. Turbo Force is back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com or 888 253 3139. It's not just wide spectrum natural herbs that time release over 10 hours. Should be called 10 hour energy. It has a bunch of vitamins and minerals and a bunch of other key things and amino acids that turbocharge everything and are good for your heart, your brain, your liver, you name it. Uh, it, it, it is the super fuel. Brainforce Plus is great. Brainforce Ultra is great. They're two different nootropics. They go good with this. But this is the King Kong. This is the boss. Turbo Force, back in stock, discounted. Infowarsstore.com. More power, more strength, more energy. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. big question is who are you as an individual are you an echo chamber are you an individual that is separate not part of the collective do you have cognitive dissonance and for a lot of people out there they don't even know what cognitive dissonance is well a very simple explanation of cognitive dissonance is um holding opposing viewpoints for example being pro-life but being pro-death penalty that's cognitive dissonance being my body, my choice, but yet being pro-forced vaccination. Being a Green Bay Packers fan and wearing Chicago Bears gear, that is all different examples of cognitive dissonance. And we need to root those weeds out of our mind here today and help us understand that we're being bombarded by subliminal programming, not only by imagery, but auditorily, and the symbols we use on a daily basis, even the words we use. When we look at things and words we use, something as simple as, how about the term Metatron? Who was Metatron? Metatron was a scribe of God. He wrote everything down. He's very synonymous with the biblical Enoch, according to a book put out by Marquette University here in Wisconsin. And some people even believe that there's similarities between Metatron and the Egyptian deity Thoth. But what is a scribe of God and what does it have to do with Metatron? Well, let's break down the word. Meta, metadata. What is your metadata? Is it who you are? Is it a collection of information that will represent you as an individual? Does it define who you are. What is Tron? Well, look at the movie. You can download yourself into a computer. Hmm. 
transhumanism, Metatron. Why is it that they selected those words to represent data and computing and a movie? And the things that make you wonder and go, hmm, a little bit of our segment on word magic. We need to sit here and think about what are we feeding our brain? What are we putting in our mind on a daily basis? How does it impact who we are? Are we just an echo chamber from the GMO news, the GMO information, the fake persona people believe we are as an individual? And we're going to dive into this because we're going to be talking about post-genderism in a little bit. Because people don't even know who they are anymore. Are they they? Are they them? Are they he? Are they she? Are they a cat? Are they a dog? And why is it that society is going this direction? Because if we're not preparing our mind with fertile soil to reject weeds and thought terminating cliches like the term anti, then we're not prepared to receive that organic information. And on a daily basis, we should look at what we think, who we are, and how we define ourselves. And what is it that makes us who we are to this very day? Taking information and putting it to use. If you can't identify who you are as an individual, Well, your soil will be accepting all sorts of information. Looking at programming on TV and on your tablet, not everyone reads a book anymore. Did you know that looking at tablets and watching the movies instead of reading the books dumps your imagination? Because when you read those books, you create images of what those characters look like who they are in the world that you believe them to be in. And your brain gets lazy. Interesting symbols, interesting topics. Is it by chance in the transhumanist movement that they have a symbol for their organization, Humanity Plus, that is identical? If you look at them, you can't make this up. To the Fraternitis Saturnia cult, the Saturn cult that is out there and exists to this very day. You put the two images side by side, you can't make this stuff up. Could be a coincidence, but is it? Or are we being subliminally programmed through images, words, thoughts, and ideas? And why is it that they want our thoughts and our ideas so badly? Because we're going to be diving into post-genderism, brain cloud interfaces, brain chip interfaces today. We're going to talk about will they be able to control your brain in the future? And should you get involved at some level in the transhumanist movement? Because it is just technology after all. And if we don't get involved, what does that mean for the future of our children? Not only is there ethical concerns, but there's a lot of possibilities and wonderful aspects of technology. 
If you were blind, would you plug a camera right in your noggin so you could go ahead and see again? Would you be willing to have the ability to hear again, walk again? There's all these wonderful advancements in technology that are going to allow humans to extend their life. But the question is, will it be available to your children? Will it be available to your great-grandchildren? And in what shape or form? The programming is starting in the movie industry, as we call it, movie magic. We can take a look at all the different types of propaganda that is out there and injected that we recognize. And that's not even to mention the stuff we don't recognize that they fit in between the different frames per second. Because let's not forget, your brain can only recognize what it sees. And when it puts in, when they put in frames of images, or they hire people to properly put things in there to propagandize you, like putting two coconuts with a banana between them to excite your mind to go buy things, that's programming, and you don't even recognize it. What shapes who you are? What kind of information are you digesting? Organic, healthy information that makes you a better person, raises your consciousness, makes your friends a better person. You are who you are hanging out with. And I like to make my friends better people. When we come back, we have a guest. Ryan Gable will be joining us from The Secret Teaching. We'll be diving into movie magic and a whole bunch more. We come back from break. I'm your response Harris, filling in for Harrison Smith on the American Journal. Turbo Force is back, sold out for eight months, and it's Turbo Force Plus. We made it even stronger. The strongest long-term energy you're going to find anywhere. Turbo Force is back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com or 888-253-3139. And it's not just wide-spectrum natural herbs that time release over 10 hours. It should be called 10-hour energy. It has a bunch of vitamins and minerals and a bunch of other key things and amino acids that turbocharge everything and are good for your heart, your brain, your liver, you name it. Uh, it, it, it is the super fuel. Brainforce Plus is great. Brainforce Ultra is great. They're two different nootropics. They go good with this. But this is the King Kong. This is the boss. Turbo Force, back in stock, discounted. Infowarsstore.com. More power, more strength, more energy. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Kristan Harris.
Ryan Gable is a veteran radio personality and producer for his weeknight show, The Secret Teachings. His broadcast focus on the synchronicity and objective analysis of parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, health history, paranormal symbolism, occult, esoteric, alchemy, magic, philosophy, and more in most distinct ways by finding parallels and patterns often overlooked. Ryan is also the author of several books, including Esoteric Masterpiece, Occult Arcana, and has a compendium of synchronicity and technological elixir dealing with transhumanism. Welcome to the broadcast. Ryan Gable. Howdy, my friend. How are you? I'm so glad that you had me on. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, Ryan. And so we're talking today about how people uh, struggle with identifying who they are. Not only that, we're easily programmed. We're programmed through television. We're programmed through video. We're programmed through audio. We're programmed in so many different ways. And I know that you've studied this extensively as well about how our language is used to program individuals. That's why kids go to school to start with. That's why they are also, um, you know, in indoctrinated at a young age in school. They get they get on medications. They try to pump them full of ADHD meds, make lifelong consumers, as well as, you know, nowadays everyone thinks the Tesla is hot because they're educated about climate change and all the concerns dealing with that. So, it, you know, people are programmed to become lifelong consumers, but it also impacts who these individuals are. And a lot of times they're an echo chamber. Well, like you've been saying so far tonight, you've mentioned the word spelling, you've mentioned the word cursive or cursing, and you've mentioned how language, you showed the letter A, how language and how letters are so important uh, in how we perceive reality. Obviously, people understand this in corporations. This is why when you go and look at fast food restaurants, you see the color red, the color yellow, which are pretty synonymous, uh, psychologically speaking, with uh, hunger cues. Uh, as well as other types of more animalistic-based desires and needs. So most fast food restaurants use those colors. And just like the letter A, just like our alphabet, colors are symbols. So are animals, so are insects, everything in and of itself, uh, just as uh, whatever it is that is existing can be a symbol of something. It can have a, a deeper meaning. So again, as you said, Kristan, the letters in our alphabet are symbols. They have their own unique vibration. We put them together when we speak. Uh, that vibration, the vibration of air particles, uh, we express ourselves speaking, uh, gesturing with our hands, like you can see me doing on video here. All of these things are an expression of the soul and of the spirit. And if you can control the expression of that soul and that spirit by controlling our perception of certain colors, our perception of animals, insects, our perception of our language, which is probably the most important, those words and those symbols, including letters, then you have a direct line to the uh, essence of what it means and what it makes, uh, what makes us human, the soul spirit. And by controlling uh, that essence, by controlling that soul spirit, uh, you actually have a direct connection to the Godhead, I believe. Uh, and that is what makes me think, even though I'm pretty staunchly not necessarily religious, that's what makes me think a lot of the people that are in positions of power that utilize this knowledge uh, really are... Uh, whether they call themselves this or not, they really are satanic in the sense of, well, we'll use this word living, to live, L-I-V-E. If you invert living, L-I-V-E, you get the word evil, E-V-I-L. If you take the word love and you invert it, you get the word E-V-O-L. It's spelled differently. It's not the same spelling of evil, but in magical terms, in twilight language, even if a word is spelled differently, if it sounds the same, then it has the same meaning. So E-V-I-L, E-V-O-L. It's an inversion of living. It's an inversion of love. So it's death. 
or anything that brings death upon us without the balance of life. And of course, love, the opposite of that is hatred or just the void of not having love. And these things are evil. I think a lot of the people that uh, utilize this knowledge for those purposes, uh, that I believe they are satanic, evil, choose to call them whatever you will. But uh, that's that's my first thought. Well, not only that, when you put a D in front of evil, you get devil, right? And you take an O out you of good, do. you get God. And God yes, sir, backwards is dog. Right. <laughs> As in the dog star Sirius, yes. Or Anubis. And it's or, interesting or when you start. Yes. And when you start talking about this, people don't realize that genetically throughout generations, our DNA has been programmed through these symbols. Uh, these are these are not new symbols. They have esoteric meaning. They have a historic meaning. The you know, the, in the arcane sense, grammar is the laws in which magic work by. And it's important for people to realize we're being bombarded subliminally with all this information. And we digest it, whether we like it or not, because it's put in there without our ability to recognize it visually or auditorily. But our brain, which goes at a million miles an hour and consciousness is fast, um, you know, it digests it and we end up wanting one of those slimy McNuggets or, uh, you know, chicken deep fried sandwiches, which really impacts our health. But not only that, we're also bombarded with all these horrible ingredients in food. But looking at this and diving into it. Why is it that this language that we use has been so perverted? Like I was mentioning earlier with the term Metatron, being able to, to, to you know, Metas and data, Tron is a computer, downloading information into the computer uh, and, you know, moving into uh, the, the movie industry. They really bombard us with symbolism that we don't identify, uh, especially auditorily. Yeah, I don't believe that it's a grand conspiracy. I believe that there are people like us who understand these things and they're employed by Hollywood as advisors uh, in the occult or in the esoteric, uh, advisors in human psychology, what symbols, what colors, what imagery is going to best appeal to the subconscious. And I think that's where most advertisers in every walk of life, that's where they appeal to now. They appeal to the subconscious far more than they appeal to the conscious mind. Uh, and I have a couple of thoughts on the Metatron, for example, Metatron uh, or the metaverse, uh, a verse in magical terms, a spell or a curse. If you read it in reverse, it becomes almost like a uh, a negative thing or a, you know, you can do this in conjurings, etc. cetera. Uh, but metaverse, if you reverse the meta, you get atom. Again, it's spelled a little differently, but you get atom, A-T-E-M. In Greek, that means beyond. So the metaverse is beyond the physical, but you also get atom. And Adam is A-D-A-M, right? It's spelled differently, but it's the name Adam. It's the first man. Atem also means in German, A-T-E-M, it also means breath. And what did God breathe into the nostrils of Adam? A breath. So the metaverse is a reverse of Adam. It's the creation of the black Adam. And it just so happens to be that in Judic mysticism, when they create a golem, they write the word emet, or truth, on the forehead of the golem. And when they go to kill the golem or to relieve it of its duty, they remove one of the letters. And Emet is, well, it's very close to uh, Meta. It has the same letters in it. And this is also important in Twilight language, even if the word is sort of an anagram or it's a mixture of letters, it, it can have a very similar uh, meaning to it. And so the question becomes, with any of this stuff, with just language in general, Kristan, is that do you understand? Do you understand the rights uh, do you, your rights? Do you understand what is being said to you? And when you say that to a police officer, or when you say that to a, a judge or whatever, 
That is you saying that you understand, you stand under their authority. And we find the same thing. Uh, I helped, I'm not a a lawyer or an attorney, but I helped a lot of people uh, retain their jobs during the pandemic uh, so they didn't lose uh, employment due to refusing to wear a mask or a vaccine. And what we found, I helped people all across the country, all different walks of life, was just simple words could get them legally out of those requirements. You don't request an exemption, you declare an exemption. Every time we declared the exemption, declared our rights, you got out of it. You don't request it. So request and declaration, you declare something, there's a big difference there. Do you understand your rights? To understand means to stand under them, to stand under the authority. If you request something, you're giving somebody the ability to deny it. If you declare something, you're retaining those rights, and that is a very important distinction. Absolutely. We're heading to commercial break. We'll be back. Our guest today is Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. We're going to be diving into this and we're going to be talking a little bit about postgenderism and maybe the, how it stems a little bit from uh, mythology and ancient history. We'll be back. Seventeen seventy six testosterone boost is back in stock. It is a private label of the number one best selling natural testosterone booster on the market. It does incredible things for men, but women also love it. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to experience this product for yourself. I never have any issues in the libido department, but it's always good to supercharge it and take it to the next level. And I'm just going to tell you, bottom line. My wife is blown away. I am a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the sheets. And I'm telling you, at 49, I've got more energy in that department than I had when I was 18. And I owe it all to 1776 Testosterone Boost, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. It's also great for your muscles, your body, your energy, your workouts. Get 1776 Testosterone Boost at InfoWarsStore.com. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me. Not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person. Because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you. Because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. said in ancient mythology that Nimrod's mother and wife, Semiramis, 
was able to have an immaculate conception that she was the he and the she, that she was able to have an immaculate conception of her son, Tammuz, where we get the 40 days of weeping in Tammuz mentioned in the Bible because uh, he was killed by a mighty boar. That's where we eat ham from Easter. Uh, all these traditions stem back into Babylon in some shapes and forms. But symbolism is really impactful to identify and program us. Uh, and so we need to be able to look at it and see and understand what these things mean. Our guest today is Ryan Gable, um, host of The Secret Teachings, wonderful individual. And when we look at things as simple as the dollar bill, Ryan, we see the spelling right on the back of it, don't we? You see the spelling on the dollar bill. You see the spelling, uh, the writing on the wall. You see the spelling on anything and everything. And it's not a negative or a bad thing that symbols are all around us, but understanding them prevents you from being used, exploited, and abused, or rather allowing your subconscious to be used, exploited, or abused. Well, right. And it's one. It's interesting because we're being abused by technology. They're collecting metadata on us. There's this new movement in the fringe elements of the left uh, in, techno in, in the transhumanist movement called post-genderism. I don't know if you've heard of this, Ryan. Have you heard of post-genderism? Very much so, yes. I actually have a book called The Technological Elixir on my website. You can get a copy of it, and it is uh, extensively about that subject. Well, great. We're going to dive into it here. For our listeners out there that don't know, advocates of post-genderism argue that the presence of gender roles, social stratification, and gender, uh, gender differences is generally to the detriment of individuals and in society, given the radical potential for advanced assistive reproductive options like designer babies, uh, artificial womb factories, post-genderists believe that sex for reproductive purposes will either become obsolete or that all post-gendered humans will have the ability, if they so choose, to both carry a pregnancy, that means bros with wombs, men with wombs, or uh, to term and impregnate someone, which post-genderists believe would have the effect of eliminating the need for definite genders in society. This is where this uh, children may consent to cut off their little cash and prizes leads to. This is the home run behind the game. This is the end game of uh, the post-gender is a movement and not everyone in transhumanism believes this it's a fanatical part but we we can't stop and not put the correlations and say boy this sounds like the end game of where they're going with the whole trans community right um you know you don't know you can't identify you don't know who you are so what we're going to do is we're going to remove all genders and you know what if in the future if a little gothic chick wants a little baby baphomet half human half goat we can create that in the lab for her and she can walk around baby baphomet or whatever and i know that's an extreme um case and i'm kind of making a little you know satirical joke there but we're not far from it we're not far from the artificial wombs we're not far from having designer babies and being able to world of warcraft it and pick out our character the eye color hall towel we're gonna just have blueprint babies everyone's gonna look the same Maybe if they all look like Alex Jones, that wouldn't be a bad thing, right? We'd have a whole bunch of Alex Jones walking around, the Alex Jones blueprint going out there, give us like 40,000 different versions of him. That's not what they're doing, though, right? They're going to patent is, our DNA. Well, well, this is the elimination of the orgasm, as Eric Blair or George Orwell wrote. This is the creation of life in a laboratory. It's the inversion of nature, the inversion of life. Again, it is L-I-V-E-E-V-I-L. 
It's the inversion of love. There's no orgasm. There's no relationships. There's no families. It's E-V-O-L. It's evil. Either way you slice it, it's evil or evil. And uh, this is a, uh, you say, transhumanism. You think of that transhumanism, transgenderism. Uh, our, our friend David Icke said this many years ago as well. I give him big credit for pointing out the fact that transgenderism is just, there really are transgender people, but most, time, most of the time people with uh, who are transgender or people that have conditions or diseases don't usually, not that that's necessarily a disease per se, but that they don't necessarily brag about it. And to have a small percentage of the population exploited to advance an agenda that promotes abortion at all costs, it doesn't matter what the situation is, abortion is a sacrament. Uh, even the modern birthing process on the other side of the, the coin is a barbaric practice that abuses and tortures women, largely without their knowledge or consent. They just think that's what you have to do. And transgenderism exploits 0.5% of the population to obtain this social credit uh, and, and basically, in, in my opinion, what is a war against women where you take words like, you know, like a wife beater and then you allow men to compete in women's sports. So men can literally, if they put on a dress or women's clothing, beat women in those sporting events. So, again, language is very important in all of these cases. And I really think, Kristan, that when you talk about movies, you talk about sports you know, we love movies. We love sports. We love entertainment. I went to film school, so I have a background in film production, et cetera, myself. And one thing I think is the most important thing to understand about our conversation this morning, my friend, is when you pay attention, you pay attention to movies, you pay attention to TV music, whether it's auditory, whether it's visual or it's both, you're paying not only attention with your energy and consciousness, but you're also having to pay for that Netflix subscription unless you're bumming it from somebody else. But you're paying for your TV. You're paying for these things with money and that money and that attention. What you're paying with in both cases is energy and that energy is currency. You do a job, they pay you with currency. You use your energy to obtain that currency. Then that currency you put into other things. You put that into your uh, subscriptions. You could put that into going to see a movie, into video games. That money and that attention, that energy and that currency can then be directed. It can charge the sigils and the symbols that we see in these movies and TV shows and in music videos where people, I imagine, like you and people like myself and people like our late friend Jordan Maxwell are employed to utilize their knowledge in order to get people to pay attention uh, more directly to these types of things. And that brings us to, well, the whole idea of money and currency and energy. Uh, it's a bank. And what is a bank? A bank is what, on both sides of a river, controls the flow or the currency of the river, uh, the flow or the currency of a river, like the flow or the currency uh, that you have in your wallet, which is cash. That's why we call things liquid assets, or you say your house is underwater. And we employ the same language when it comes to birthing as well. Uh, you have the birth canal. You have the doctor. The woman is unnaturally unnaturally laying on her back with her legs in the air because it's comfortable for the doctor. That is a docking process by which the baby is birthed, and then there is issued a certificate of birth for the goods that are birthed. And that brings us to marriage, because marriage is the merging of two people into a cooperation. You get a marriage license. You get in each other's business. You show each other the goods. You merge your assets and your finances. Then you produce or reproduce a product of your love and cooperation, and then your business partners who probably and eventually in the end will divorce by parting ways. You will leave the business. And this is all every part of our society from Hollywood, which we'll, we'll get to from Hollywood to economics to, uh, you know, childbirth to the money that you have in your wallet. You said it's movie magic. 
And that's what it is. It's not just Hollywood, which is the wood of the Druidic magicians. It is also the broad casting of a spell or spelling, right? They spell, they write their scripts. The pen is mightier than the sword. You write your scripts and then you put it into production and then you broadcast this spell to the masses. That's why they call it TV programming. Hollywood is the wood of the Druidic magicians and that is what Hollywood is. It is a silver screen and it is an illusion and that's what the magicians used to do. They used to conjure up gray storms uh, and uh, control the the natural world, which again takes us back to transhumanism. Yeah, the vision that tells you lies, right? The tell lie vision, and uh, we're <laughs> yes. you, and if everyone is huddled around it at all times. It's also interesting you mentioned maritime law because everything is a ship. You're in a relationship, leadership. That's right. You know, think about it. Uh, you know, everything. You know, anything of importance ends with the ship. And there's a reason for that. It's because the people who are running this world think they're a lot smarter than you are. And we're here to uh, raise the frequency and help you guys understand the world you live in so that you may be an individual if you so choose and if you want to be and that you can live your life and not be part of the collective to be able to learn and be comfortable with who you are and not be an echo chamber or be a program. You're a program that was written by somebody else. And we all have those viruses, computer viruses in our mind. We call them cognitive dissonance, the garden of your mind. You need to root out that uh, cognitive dissonance. Ryan Gable is our guest from The Secret Teachings. I'm Chris T. Harris of The Rundown Live. I'm filling in for Harrison Smith. We're going to be heading to commercial break. I want to mention right now we have a challenge. If you guys out there buy 10 autograph, the first 10 per- people who purchase an autograph, Alex Jones book, I will send out a free Rundown Live t-shirt. People were already sending me messages saying they want one. If you want one, all you have to do is take a picture of your receipt or a screenshot and send an email to show tips at the Rundown Live, and I'll send that out today. Go, go out there and support it. The first 10 people who buy an autograph copy, buy two. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Turbo forces back sold out for eight months and it's turbo force plus we made it even stronger the strongest long-term energy you're going to find anywhere turbo force is back in stock at infowarsstore.com or triple eight two five three three one three nine it's not just wide spectrum nash natural herbs that time release over 10 hours should be called 10 hour energy it has a bunch of vitamins and minerals and a bunch of other key things and amino acids that turbocharge everything and are good for your heart, your brain, your liver, you name it. Uh, it, it, it is the super fuel. Rainforce Plus is great. Rainforce Ultra is great. They're two different nootropics. They go good with this. But this is the King Kong. This is the boss. Turboforce, back in stock, discounted. Infowarsstore.com. More power, more strength, more energy. Watching the American Journal with your host, Tristan Harris. Since we're on the topic of transhumanism with our guest Ryan Gable, I have to plug DNA Force, which has 
CoQ10, which is a great anti-aging supplement. If you're looking to live longer, be younger, check out InfoWars DNA Force is something that I use. I recommend it very highly. It's pumped full of things that you need to stay looking young, healthy skin, healthy heart, you name it. Go out there, pick up some DNA Force today. It's one of the most powerful supplements Jones offers. I highly recommend DNA Force. It is a beast out there uh, out of the items he offers. Also, uh, don't forget Ultimate Krill Oil to pair with it and Brain Force to sound smart and be able to plant and have fertile soil in your mind. So check those things out. Um, but switching gears a little bit with our guest, Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings, uh, there's a lot going on in the world and a lot in technology. And one of those things is Ray Kurzweil says by 2030, nanobots will flow throughout our bodies. Uh, nanobots meaning uh, little robots. And I believe this is the non-invasive version potentially of the brain chip interface where we won't have to no longer install a brain. Some people will be able to wear a hat or a headband, and then they'll be able to download information right to their brains. So so like this is where the extreme LGBTQ gender thing comes into play, because if you have a six-year-old that you can download K through 12 into their brain, they'll have an adult consciousness running around in a six-year-old body. I'm just throwing it out there. They, they, like Technology is getting wild, and I know that we're, we're getting a little bit bit uh, ahead of ourselves into, down into the future, but there's an article that came out just a couple days ago. Could brain-computer interfaces lead to mind control for good? Oh, I've got articles, yeah, from Rolling Stone, from uh, the Smithsonian, and so many others in my book, The Technological Elixir. I have huge sections uh, about brain-computer interfaces, transhumanism, things like that. And uh, you pulled up this article here, and uh, this is just another recent example. That's where technology is leading us. That's where technology is heading. And I think that the average person developing it, they're probably good people, good men, good women, out of uh, high school, into college. They've been recruited, or they just developed this uh, you know, while they were in college or you know, got a, employment at a, at a small company or a large company or whatever. And they don't have any intention to do evil. They want to help people that have... Uh, no use of their legs or no use of uh, maybe another part of their body, maybe their arms or their hands, or they've been into an accident or something like that. And that's exactly, uh, I don't want to extrapolate these two things seriously, but sort of tongue in cheek, that's exactly how Skynet was built, right? The guy that built Skynet in the Terminator franchise, he built it because he wanted to help pilots fly planes when they were really tired. Uh, that is the uh, the the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions, as they say. So these are positive developments, and I actually address what you said, Kristan. I address the positive aspects of transhumanism and technology in my book. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think the quote from uh, Jurassic Park, uh, Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, is really uh, the most pertinent uh, uh, statement that could describe what's going on here. The problem I have with this technology is, like Ian Malcolm said, you didn't do anything to deserve it. You stood on the backs of giants. You read what they wrote, and then you built it for yourself. And then before you knew what you had, you patented it, put it on a lunchbox, and sold it. And that, I think, is the problem. Most of the people developing this stuff, they are standing on the backs of giants. They're standing on each other's backs, and they're just trying to be the first to produce it without asking the question, should we be doing this? Should we be producing this? And I think that is a statement. That is a question that all of us need to really, really think about. 
Yeah, in our era, we're not building pyramids. We're building robots and life extension, Genesis 322. So now we can become as if we are gods, as if. But we're going to be heading to commercial break here. And I want to mention back to the movie Magic and Joe uh, Joe versus the Volcano movie. He says he has brain cloud. That's why he's going to throw himself into the volcano. He has brain cloud. We're going to dive into what is the brain cloud interface? What is synthetic telepathy? What does this all mean? When we come back, you're listening to the American Journal. I'm your host, Tristan T. Harris of the Rundown Live. Listening to the American Journal with your host, Kristan Harris. You could, would you download your consciousness to a computer so your great 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 grandchildren can learn more about you? William Shatner just did something similar. We're talking transhumanism, brain cloud interfaces, and synthetic telepathy, which is something the military has been working on at least since 2011. I was doing reports on it and writing about it in the Kadehe Now, which is a a segment from the journal Sentinel here in Milwaukee when I used to be a top traffic blogger over there uh, before they booted all the independent minds for for free thinking thought crime, we'll call it. But Ryan Gable is our guest from Secret Teachings, and we've been diving into both the programming, and now we're talking physical programming, how in the future, maybe through designer babies or DNA, they'll be able to modify the body so it can easily download information into the brain, much like what you see in the matrix, right? You put your head in, you lean back, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're going to be in a different realm, in a different world. In fact, there's a whole article about this from New Zealand where they say fully immersive VR is here where it'll literally turn off your eyes and it will beam your mind as if you're in the real world in Metaverse. And I'm not making this stuff up. Samsung is working on their very own duplicate Metaverse of our world, our entire world, so they can run, you know, algorithms. And there's a lot of useful benefits by around trends. Let's say if you're a doctor and you want to upload your consciousness or have a digital twin of your body, they can do digital experiments to see how your body and chemical uh, your chemical uptake would uh, react to certain medicines. There's some benefits to this technology, but at the same time, um, we have to ask ourselves, like. What about the ethical concerns about a brain cloud interface? People will have access to your thoughts at all times. I mean, I don't even trust giving a company my phone number for an account so I can get a tiny discount so they can go sell it. And if they don't sell it, they trade it. If they don't trade it, there's just a leak and they leak the information with other companies. I don't trust them with my phone number. I'm not going to trust a company with my DNA, and I'm certainly not going to trust a company uh, plugging uh, their technology into my brain. I don't care how altruistic it sounds. That's personally me. I feel like a lot of people probably have the same opinion, but I want people to also, who might not have that opinion, to think about that. You Can you really trust? Can, I mean, look at what Wells Fargo did to uh, their customers. They had, from the top down, people instructed, tellers instructed, to open up accounts, insurance policies, credit cards, and people's names 
And then the company lied about it, fired those tellers, then rehired them and acknowledged that they ripped their customers off. A bunch of companies have done this. Facebook has done this with their psychological experiments. Uh, uh, and the company Kashi did it with their organic non-GMO cereals that actually were not organic and did contain GMOs. And they lied about that and admitted that they lied. How can we trust these companies? They can't, we can't trust them to make us food. You can't trust them to keep your phone number safe or protected. How are we going to trust these are the same companies? How can we trust these people to plug into our literal physical bodies to access uh, the, the antenna for consciousness? I don't think we can trust these people at all. That doesn't mean that the technology can't be used for good, positive, beneficial things. But I will say this, Kristan, every time you go into social media and you put something on social media, that is you uploading yourself into the machine. It's not going to be you laying down in a, in a, on a table uh, like that movie Transcendence with Johnny Depp. They're not going to put wires on your head and then upload you into a computer. The uploading process is every time you open your phone. It's every time you go online. That is you creating a digital version of yourself. And you are right, my friend. You are one of the only people I know who actually knows about that 6G technology of Samsung. They said they want it done by 2030. There's a PDF document on the Internet from Samsung. It's the Samsung white paper. And it says a digital extended holographic reality where there will be duplicates, like you said, digital duplicates of you in people, also places and things. They're literally creating a digital environment. And if you read that document, it also says they want that digital world to be controlled. This is not me saying this. This is what they said, Samsung. They want that digital environment to be controlled by machines. They want machines to run the entire, it's in the document, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's wild that they openly acknowledge and openly admit these things because they're proud of them. They believe that, I think that the average person at these companies believes what they're doing is advancing us into the future. And, to, and I think they think that they're going to, to kind of, you know, quote Alex Jones, they're going to take us to the stars, but that's not what they're doing because this technology largely because we don't and haven't done anything to really learn how to uh, develop it or, you know, the average person. So we haven't learned how to, how it works. We just use it. Um, it's detrimental to the average person who can barely boil a, a pot of water to make dinner, let alone understand the ramifications of co connecting themselves uh, to machines in all of these uh, different ways. Plus, Kristan, I think, uh, and I want to get, I want to get your take on this. Uh, it's almost like an exploitation of natural abilities. I think we all, like if you've been in a good relationship with a man or a woman or have a good friend, you can almost, you know, from body language and the subconscious and little tiny things, you can understand and like almost read that person's mind. You know their likes, their dislikes. You have a form of telepathy. These companies and these people that are doing this, I think, are taking natural things like telepathy. It might not be an exaggerated telepathy where I can read everybody's mind, but it's you know, a general thing where you can get this telepathy with people that you're very close to. You can get a sense and intuition, a spidey sense, if you will, of even situations that you're not that close to danger is, is, is potentially going to happen. Your body is going to pick up all these signals, et cetera, uh, and things in the environment. And, and you might feel that you're in danger, et cetera. That's why you look at an open door. When a door opens into a room, it's potentially danger. But I think they're taking and exploiting natural things like telepathy, which is a real thing. And they're using it so that they can they can uh, manufacture it technologically, patent it, own it, control it, and override all of the natural systems, whether that's childbirth, family, community, society, civilization, or it's things that might be considered extra extrasensory perceptions. It's a hijacking of more than just five senses.
Well, absolutely. I, I think that everything is so that they can record it and make money off of it. At the end of the day, it's control and money. Uh, how much power you can have, how much money you currency. can make off these ideology currency. Right. And they don't care about you. Uh, if they did, uh, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are in America, where it's almost like a third world country where they're going after uh, former presidents because they're popular and, uh, you know, trying to throw everything but the kitchen sink at the American people who want to maintain being a sovereign nation. Just think about it, being able to have your thoughts being connected and being monitored because law enforcement is already monitoring all your thoughts. They patrol local uh, neighborhoods based on your Facebook posts, your social media posts. They have citizen threat scores, which is a predecessor to the social credit scores, which will be put to you. And they also, there's creepy AI right now that you can put in an image and it'll find every image of you on the internet. You don't think law enforcement has uh, has not had that the last 15, 20 years in their little fusion centers where they could know everything about you, what dating site you're on and how you answered survey questions on plenty of whales or plenty of fish or whatever it is if you do the digital dating thing. That's a new thing too, digital dating. Somebody just got married in the metaverse at Taco Bell. And if if a guy ever offers to marry you in the metaverse at Taco Bell, dump him uh, or a female. I'm just letting you know. That's the way I look at it. And I guess it's kind of cool to some people who are techies out there, but uh, you know, the, I, this this is separate from just uploading who you are. Like, I think that's an interesting idea that you could upload, you know, loved ones. And then if they pass, you'd still have some actions or a artificial version of them. But it wouldn't be the same person. Um, but I do believe. Well, that's just it. At what point do you lose your soul? Uh, are they able to download your soul? Are you going to be trapped in this computer with no ability to leave? Like there's a whole movie, a TV series about this called Upload, uh, where a guy uploads his consciousness. But in order to do that, he has to die. And he's stuck there. And he finds out that if his girlfriend don't pay the bills in the real world because he attended his own funeral, you know, because that's something they're pushing right now. Uh, and, you know, that uh, he doesn't have it so good. And the truth is, is as the elitists live forever organically they're going to sell the digital metaverse to us ants on the ground per se us people who are eating z bugs they're going to say you can live to be 35 but we have an overpopulation problems so i tell you what we're going to just upload your consciousness in the computer you'll still have mortality all it takes is them to educate the youth through the education system that that's still life you'll still live on you'll be able to attend your funeral you'll still be you'll still be able to talk to your family but will it be you where is your soul we'll be back after these messages with ryan gable from the secret teachings i'm Kristan t harris and you're listening to the american journal they decided to not perp walking not put him in handcuffs not do a mugshot because they knew that that would help trump didn't they know this would backfire? We were waiting for the mugshot. We learned today they wouldn't have it, so we've made our own. And it says political prisoner with an image of President Trump. The shirt is being printed now in Texas. It'll be shipping out to you in one week. Political prisoner with Trump on the front there in a mugshot jail background. It's a fundraiser shirt. It says Infowars.com on the back of the shirt. We also have Alex Jones for president. No, I'm not running for president. It's a really nice navy blue, high-quality shirt, red, white, and blue. Alex Jones for president. 2024, it's a fun conversational piece and a limited edition shirt. Great way to fund the operation. So get your Alex Jones for President and Trump mugshot shirts at InfoWarsStore.com or by calling toll-free 888 253 The eugenicist 
over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have the communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding, is our normal biological actions and coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Don T. Harris here filling in for the man, the myth, the legend, Harrison Smith. I'm here with Ryan Gable, our guest. We're in our last segment here before Zoltan Isfahan joins us to talk about the positive aspects of transhumanism. But uh, Ryan asked me about what happens to your soul. At what point, when you're replacing parts, does your soul leave your body? Is it available uh, in your pineal gland? Is your soul in your heart? The truth is we just don't know. Uh, There's a lot of great things with transhumanism. If they can take your DNA and grow a replacement heart, uh, in a lab and will make it so your body is compatible and doesn't reject it for transplants and organ transplants. How many of you would consider that? I just want you to think about it. So transhumanism has a lot to offer as far as benefits as well. I know we're doom and gloom and we're talking a lot about this, but the question is, is what's the view, What's your viewpoint on death? Like, listen, um, if God wanted us all to believe the same, he would have created us that way. So out there's a, di- a large, diverse opinions of what happens when you die and where you go when it's over. Are you reincarnated? Does your soul get downloaded into another body? There's people that believe that they're star seeds, which are getting billions of views on a TikTok, which is getting banned everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of interesting thoughts that are out there. Uh, people believe a lot of variety of in- sensational and realistic things. Ryan Gable, what? What do you think the cult's viewpoint is on death? Well, behind me here, if you're watching the video, you see this book. It's called Occult Arcana, and you mentioned it earlier. In that book, I address this subject in very great detail. And occultism, which just means hidden, and the Bible, for example, is very, very occult, uh, teaches good lessons. Resurrection from the dead, of course, is a spiritual, physical practice that was practice not only with Lazarus, but with kings and with initiates in Egypt, Greece, etc. And in that process of initiation in the tombs and the temples and the pyramids all around the world, South and Central America to Africa, even to Japan, where the goddess Amaterasu would go into the cave for three days and then be resurrected. It's a similar archetype all throughout the world. It was the process of what is called living resurrection, where you would be resurrected or Christians might call it be born again. And in that process, you became a son or a S-U-N, a son of God. And that son is a spark of divinity, the soul and the spirit. So even a woman would become a son of God, an S-U-N of God. And usually you'd exit the temple after three days and a a, a ritual process uh, through the eastern part of the temple to meet the rising sun. 
And this process is a, a microcosmic process of the macrocosmic process of life and death. When you are born, occultists call this the big death and the little birth. When you die, death is called the little death, but the big birth. Basically, going back to transhumanism, if you think about transhumanism as a kind of life extension I'm not saying there's anything wrong with living 100 years or even 200 years. Uh, the royal family, uh, Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, the Windsors seem to be able to do that quite routinely. But extended physical life is also extended spiritual death. And that is an extremely, uh, I think, extremely, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, it's not just a, I think it's a profound thing to think about. Because if you extend your life by another minute. That's great. Maybe another minute with your loved ones. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. But when you do it so artificially, when you do it with machines and technology where other people are in control of it, you can't be sure what is happening to your soul or what's happening to your spirit. And extending physical life is, again, a form of extension of spiritual death. That is a very important and kind of a terrifying thing to think about because something is animating this physical body, Kristan. Something is animating me. Something is moving my arms around. Call it consciousness. Call it whatever. There is a soul, and there is a spirit. There is an emotional center. There's an intellectual center. There's a spiritual center. There is something that animates the physical body. There is something that animates the nature around us. And when we take those things and try to reproduce them, and when we try to patent them, quite literally, and try to control them, there is no other word for this except evil. It is an inversion of life, or L-I-V-E, living. Uh, that is E-V-I-L, as we said earlier. It's also an inversion of love, to eliminate the orgasm, to destroy uh, the family unit, to destroy the very basis of civilization, to separate men, women, and children from one another, an old Roman tactic of conquest. This is really evil, E-V-O-L. Uh, even singers like Eminem kind of point that out in some of his music. He talks about love being evil, E-V-O-L. Uh, when you think about these things, Kristan, this is, I think, the greatest proof that there is a divine uh, force. Call it God, call it whatever you want to call it. And that divine force, that divine energy, that divine essence uh, wants you to live, wants you to experience, because you are an extension of that. But too much time and taking too much, perhaps that results in a spiritual, um, a, a negative spiritual thing or a spiritual a detriment to the spirit and to the soul. And I think we need to be very, uh, very careful of that. Yeah, I mean, if we can live longer and I have the opportunity to like read every book in the library, because if you look in the library, there's so much vast knowledge in there. There's no way to do that in a single lifetime. You know, like, why wouldn't you like, why wouldn't I want to live longer? Why wouldn't I want my kids to live longer? And that's the argument about things like designer babies, too, if we can remove diseases. But what are what are the actual um results are we going to have more issues because we've been editing babies to not have diseases are they going to be not able to handle to effectively repel getting sick amongst many other things there's so many I, questions. I can't i can't afford a tank of gas i'm not going to be able to afford a designer baby that's the other thing <laughs> it's not for well, us i mean that's <laughs> just it no it's not for us and uh that's another mention is like even in these esoteric books the books of uh, enoch the book of giants where they talk about the perversions of creating minotaur centaur and all these other you know 
diabolical things that the fallen angels did. Uh, it's like all this has happened on this planet once before. Ryan, we got only a couple minutes here. And before we do, I just want to mention, it's interesting when you mentioned born again, the phoenix rising from the ashes, Horus has risen. Um, it's all there. It's all the information. There's a reason why they call him Jesus too, as well. There's all these different types of word magic out there, and we should really dive into it and what it means. And I appreciate you joining me today. Where can listeners find out? Tell us a little bit about your program and your books real quick. We have about a minute and 30 seconds here. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Kristan. And I want to thank also everybody at InfoWars for uh, for running the show today. I appreciate that. Everything worked out very well. Uh, I've written a couple of books uh, that go along with my show, pretty much all of my research over about 12, 13 years of radio, 10 years professionally. My show is called The Secret Teachings. It's named after Manly P. Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages that he wrote at 24 years old. He published it. Uh, it's a big inspiration for me. And uh, my show focuses on the microcosm and the macrocosm, understanding history and occultism and applying that to contemporary events. My website is www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find me five nights a week, Monday through Friday, right after our good friend Clyde Lewis on Ground Zero. If you go to groundzero.radio or aftermath.media, again, my website, thesecretteachings.info, has our free archive. If you're not a subscriber, anybody can go listen. And also my books on there, uh, The Technological Elixir. I mentioned Occult Arcana, which is in the background here. And I also think for the InfoWars audience, uh, my new book would really, uh, I think, uh, intrigue people. It's called Liberty Shrugged, and it's a slightly uh, unconventional uh, version of American history with a lot of good documentation. I think the InfoWars audience would really devour that. It's called Liberty Shrugged, and you can get those books at thesecretteachings.info. rdgable at yahoo.com is my email. Thank you, Kristan. Ryan Gable, great guest. Thank you. What a great show today. We told you guys that we're going to deliver, and we're delivering here on the uh, American Journal. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Check out the InfoWars store. Stop by. Take your friends. Tell them to tune in now and not to miss this episode. 1776 Testosterone Boost is back in stock. It is a private label of the number one best-selling natural testosterone booster on the market. It does incredible things for men, but women also love it. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to experience this product for yourself. I never have any issues in the libido department, but it's always good to supercharge it and take it to the next level. And I'm just gonna tell you bottom line, my wife is blown away. I am a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the sheets. And I'm telling you, at 49, I've got more energy in that department than I had when I was 18. And I owe it all to 1776 Testosterone Boost, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. It's also great for your muscles, your body, your energy, your workouts. Get 1776 Testosterone Boost at InfoWarsStore.com. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host. Kristan Harris. Switching gears, we're going to dive into transhumanism and some of the great benefits it offers. 
Uh, joining us next is our guest, Zoltan Isfan, professionally known as Zoltan Isfan, is an American transhumanist, journalist, entrepreneur, political candidate, and futurist. Formerly a reporter for the National Geographic Channel, Isvan now writes futurist and political-themed articles for major media, including the New York Times. He believes transhumanism will grow into a mainstream social movement in this decade. Isvan is an author of The Transhumanist Wager, a philosophical science fiction novel that was widely reviewed. He is also the original author of the now crowdsourced Transhumanist Bill of Rights, which was published in Wired. Welcome to the broadcast, Zoltan Istvan. First of all, I got to ask you, uh, just completely off the wall question. I was reading that you invented volcano surfing. What the heck is volcano surfing? Yeah, actually, um, when I was working for National Geographic, uh, I uh, discovered a, uh, a volcano in uh, Vanuatu that has a huge giant sand patch, but also is exploding behind you. And uh, so it seemed like a really kind of cinematography kind of thing to do uh and i went down it with a snowboard and uh, hence i kind of created the sport of volcano boarding after it aired on national geographic channel uh the sport has become kind of uh worldwide known because now everyone's doing it around the world and this was 20 years ago uh during my younger days but uh yeah so i uh, i have uh, been a volcano uh boarder my whole life and uh it's a pretty awesome sport to do well, before we dive into your opinion piece, why robot, why giving robots, or well, excuse me, why giving rights to robots might one day save humans, um, I'll dive into a little bit for our listeners who may not be familiar with transhumanism, because there's a lot of wonderful things it offers, and our listeners um, are heavily interested in this topic because, as you've mentioned, it has boomed, especially with COVID and mRNA and everything else. Uh, what are some things in uh, transhumanist uh, transhumanism offers, and what is transhumanism? Well, sure. I mean, you know, transhumanism is using science and technology to modify and enhance your body. And a lot of people are very skeptical of it. But uh, one of my you know, jobs in life, I suppose, is to try to convince people that despite what people think about it, uh, it, it actually can be something that can enhance our, our lives to make us more uh, uh, prosperous, uh, to make us do things that we couldn't do otherwise, like go off planet, and, uh, and and also just to, you know, get us to see the universe. Just to give you an idea, for example, our eyes can only see about 1% of the universe, given the limits of, you know, the biology. Where, uh, you know, if you have a robotic eye, you can see potentially 60 to 70% of the universe. Uh, that means poisonous gases in the air. That might mean things like COVID in the air. Uh, it could be things like uh, you're sleeping at night and you see a poisonous spider. Uh, anything like that. But transhumanism is using these types of technologies to enhance yourself to become a, a better human being. And I think uh, as you're seeing through artificial intelligence and uh, genetic editing and things like that, the world is heading down this path. So it's really a question of either accepting it or not accepting it. Um, and, uh, and I think most people should accept it and find the best things about it. Well, I was reading that uh, one out of three people are considering designer babies in the future. It was in a major newspaper article post, amongst other things. And uh, there's many different shapes and forms of life extension and transhumanism. And our listeners out there learned a little bit about digital twins today. But uh, what is the process of transhumanism? What does it mean to be transhuman? Well, I think in today's world, it, it's not so clear cut. It probably will be in four or five years. But there's a lot of, you know, for example, the number one killer in the world right now is still heart disease. And um, we, you know, transhumanists are working on different things like bionic hearts and stem cell technologies, genetic editing of hearts that might make it so people don't die from heart failure. 
Uh, for example, my father died of heart failure, and I wish I could have given him a robotic heart to keep on a few more years longer, maybe even indefinitely. So that's a classic kind of transhumanist technology that we're seeing right now. And, uh, you know, people tend to think that transhumanism is giving away your privacy, chips in your brain and things like that. And while some of uh, it might include chips in your brain, doesn't mean in any way that it's a privacy issue. Uh, I think transhumanists are mostly libertarians, uh, at least uh, a lot of the leaders of the movement are. And we are aiming to use uh, the, the movement itself to uh, gain privacy rights back that we might have lost from the government. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't actually understand. Uh, you know, um, and uh, if we can use technology to have more freedom and still be a stronger body, why not embrace it? It's interesting um, when it comes to, uh, you know, private security and um, encrypting, that's a very important role in technology. And how is that going to work with a brain chip interface? Will they be able to encrypt something like that? Will your brain chip interface let you know when there's something wrong with your body? Maybe you're sick uh, for people who choose to go that route, because let's be honest, if only, um, you know, diabolical people want to use this technology well we need good people to step up and you know also be out there to counteract this and it's interesting to me to see that there's a lot of different ways that people can extend their life whether organically or like you mentioned sweat swapping out body parts um uh, like oil changes you know and when we're talking about this, how far away do you think we are from seeing extended life? Maybe people living, um, you know, 50 years younger. I know the heads of Google believe that we can live to be up to 500 years old. There was articles being published, but in one shape and what form? What are some different forms of life extension that you believe that are going to be successful that we're going to be seeing in the future? We got three. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. Yeah, no, there's no question that in, here in the next few years, you're going to have prescription drugs out in the market that extend your life. Uh, they've been successful in mice now and other types of animals, and we're, we're moving down that path. But the real question is, how do you do it? You know, um, the, some people, okay, the, the crazy sci-fi method is that we upload your brain and we take microscopic, uh, or, you know, down to the quantum level uh, images of your brain and kind of maybe upload somehow that on the computer and get it to run. But that, that that's kind of far-fetched. The real reality right now is people working on different types of genetic editing te techniques that can make your cells so that they want to live longer and, and age better, things like that. We're also working on ideas where we could use uh, synthetic parts, like, like I mentioned, robotic hearts. If you can stop just different ways that we die, uh, mostly we die through organ failure, then we can uh, also extend life indefinitely. But all these are already having hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars spent on them in Silicon Valley and other places around the world to live longer. You have so many different types of you know, billionaires and, and just investors out there in the last few years who have just put a ton of money into this. And I have absolutely no... Um, you know, no question that we're going to find a way to live dramatically longer. And you're going to see these changes in the next five to 10 years. It's going to, uh, I think the bigger question, and this is what a lot of naysayers are saying, is that what is the deal? How do you deal with overpopulation? Or is this something from a religious perspective that that challenges too many of the, the truths that religious believers might have? And those are questions to be answered. Um, and those are the, some of the challenges moving forward. But there's really no question, in my opinion, that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to start seeing these technologies work. 
Yeah, it's a rather interesting concept because somebody like me would love the opportunity to read every book in the library, may live longer, uh, have your grandparents, your great grandparents, your great, great, great grandparents around. Uh, this might be a reality in the future. And it's almost interesting to see in the biblical text, people lived a lot longer, allegedly back in the day, um, what this might bring for our future and how this is going to impact us as individuals and how it will impact the health industry if people are living longer. Uh, overpopulation is another question, and there's a lot of conspiratorial things around overpopulation, but there is a uh, pseudoscience out there called eugenics, which uh, a lot of people are interested in, um, above other things. We're going to be heading to commercial break here in just a moment, um, Zoltan, but I, I, you know what? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think that robots are in the future. There's a whole different um, aspect to the workforce. They're saying in what, 10 or 20 years, your, your work life might be non-existent. People might be living on the universal basic income. And the question is, is how do we look at that as a libertarian? We'll get to that when we come back from commercial break. You're listening to the American Journal with Kristan T. Harris, and we're here with our great guest, Zoltan Istvan, one of the leaders in the transhumanist movement. you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. 1776 Testosterone Boost is back in stock. It is a private label of the number one best-selling natural testosterone booster on the market. It does incredible things for men, but women also love it. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to experience this product for yourself. I never have any issues in the libido department, but it's always good to supercharge it and take it to the next level. And I'm just going to tell you, bottom line, my wife is blown away. I am a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the sheets. And I'm telling you, at 49, I've got more energy in that department than I had when I was 18. And I owe it all to 1776 Testosterone Boost, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. It's also great for your muscles, your body, your energy, your workouts. Get 1776 Testosterone Boost at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
to the American Journal. I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris. I'm filling in for Harrison Smith today, and we have a wonderful guest today joining us, Zoltan Istvan, leader of the transhumanist movement. He's written uh, countless pieces for many different publications. He's written many books, authors. I got a chance to meet him. Actually met him on Adam Kokesh's tour bus during a presidential debate, and we were talking about this technology. It's a wonderful conversation you can have with him. It's always great to uh, feed the brain and grow healthy ideas. And recently, uh, being a techno-optimist, it can be sometimes difficult, Zoltan, but I see in this article you have why giving rights to robots might one day save humans. And I guess uh, let's dive into that. So I know that there's some publications out there saying that robots may have more rights than humans in the future, but in your publication, giving them uh, rights is an important thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the basis of this this article for Newsweek is that um, if so, first off, I, let's just admit the, the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room. AI has arrived. Uh, AI is changing the world. And we're at the very beginning of this change. And it could be as soon as two or three years that we have an AI as smart as people and probably within five to 10 years, something that's dramatically smarter, potentially hundreds of times smarter than people. So how do you deal with that? Um, if that if that actually occurs, and it probably will occur at this point. And um, so, you know, my article goes on to talk about we maybe want to be nice to robots. We maybe want to be nice to this AI rather than try to enslave it or bash and things like this, because if it's going to truly be our intellectual superior here in just a matter of years, that um, it may do things to us in, a, in almost a Terminator scenario that uh, would be uh, would be incredibly detrimental to the human race. So it's just pure logic. I'm studying philosophy, currently a student at University of Oxford, and this is just a, a theory on why we should uh, treat technology in, in, a, in a very ethical and, and, and a kind way rather than um, you know just treat it as we would a tool. I think uh, AI is something different than a tool. AI is going to become something quite a bit smarter than us, quite a bit more powerful. Well, what are some of the capabilities that you think future uses for AI or AI will have in the future? Well, I mean, it could, it'll be able to do anything. It'll be able to completely, you know, do this broadcast that we're doing right now by taking our images, by taking our voices, and by having us run through whatever the most interesting topics of the day are without you and I even getting out of bed. And, uh, you know, so that replaces us to some extent. And you've already seen this. You saw this recently with the Joe Rogan podcast where uh, uh, Sam Altman and Joe Rogan, they were done digitally and they were done, you know, their voices were done through the AI. So this is already happening. So this is just crazy. But I, what I'm really more concerned about is it uh, dealing with all the stock trading, dealing with controlling the nuclear arms. I mean, we're, like I said, we're, we're, we're walking into a Terminator scenario. So if you are going to go down that path, and again, I'm not saying it's good or bad at this point. I, 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 it, it's very kind of worrisome. I got two young daughters. What kind of jobs will they have? Who knows? But I think the issue at hand is if we're going to walk into this scenario, we better not walk in blind. We ought to at least have some ethics involved. That ethics might just be treating this, this entity that's going to become a superior being than us in the next 10, 20, 30 years, treating it with some kindness and with some respect. Because if we don't, uh, and that's how the, the Newsweek article uh, goes on to talk about this AI potential god, is it may then turn against us. Uh, but maybe if we're nice, it might treat us one day as ants. Uh, or as pets or something like that. This is a much better uh, prognosis, I would say, than something terrible happening. And again, this is just kind of game theory, looking at what's happening with AI and how far it's going. But that's what the article describes. 
how will AI um, impact the medical industry? Do you think it will be able to concoct cures for diseases? Uh, will AI be able to do, um, you know, things of that nature? Obviously, it's starting to get into daily work and, uh, you know, starting to be able to impact our daily lives, especially with ChatGPT. It's getting banned in schools where kids are having it do entire programs, uh, including news outlets writing articles, AI is doing it. There's just so many different capabilities of this, but you're saying that this is gonna, has opportunity to be almost super intelligent, potentially godlike, and we should be treating it better. We shouldn't be like DARPA beating on the robots and pushing them with broomsticks, but we should find a way to be more understanding of what we're dealing with here. Because I don't think a lot of people know what we're dealing with when it comes to AI. Well, I think the first thing I was thinking about this last night, understand that anything that you have ever done digitally, uh, that means going back 20 years or whatever, is going to be understood by this AI. So I was using ChatGPT last night to look for a new refrigerator, and I had certain dimensions that it had to fit. And the point of the story is that <clears throat> I realized it, can, it will know anything and everything about me all at once. So that's definitely scary. Um, at the same time, it can be very useful if you want to have it understand certain things about your life the things you want, maybe things you want to buy. But the problem is that when it knows everything about everyone and is super powerful, it's going to be able to, if it wants to make its own decisions autonomously, it can be very dangerous in the fact that it can point out things that we've done that maybe aren't correct or illegal, whatever. I mean, all of us, uh, no one's perfect. And uh, so we're running into the situation where, uh, you know, AI, uh, and again, the chat GPT, if it grows... 100 times per year, as it has been to some extent so far, it's only been out a year, year and a half, whatever, um, it will, you have to realize how much more sophisticated it's going to be here, able to drive our cars, able to fly our planes. In fact, uh, this is one of the things I worry about. And then I was just telling recently my wife that we should buy a car that doesn't have the ability to use Wi-Fi, because at some point, all cars could just stop if they are on the road, if AI deems it. And these are some of the big challenges moving forward with it and, uh, and why I think we need to be very careful and make sure that anything you've done in the past against the machine world, uh, start start making amends for it. Because we're, we're going to run into this problem where in 10 years, this thing could be so, so much smarter than us. I know that they're talking about implementing it with smart cities and the way they sold it is that when you walk into the pub, they'll already know what drink you want, what you're going to order, and they'll have it ready for you, uh, which is interesting. As far as predicting the future, amongst other things, stock trends you mentioned is a possible uh, issue. But uh, my question is, is when we when we look at ChatGPT, are people going to try to install this into a human consciousness or will, will or will AI actually want to be human and somebody that has a brain chip interface potentially have the risk of being um, taken over by something like this? Well, I, I got to be honest, I, you know, and the article goes on to just talk about this, too. If we don't upload ChatGPT and the, the AI, whatever form it is, into our head in the next five to 10 years, this thing is going to outrun us. So really, the only way to control the AI is to have it completely embedded into our brains so that we are sort of one with it. And even that, if that happens, doesn't mean we're necessarily going to not be so transformed. We'll probably be more AI, far more AI than human anymore, because you have to realize the trajectory of this intelligence is just, you know, when you when you take kind of Moore's law, and even if Moore's law is not exactly accurate, you just take it out 10, 15 years, this thing is, uh, you know, a thousand times smarter than Einstein already. So we're now at a point when if you're not a part of this machine, you've become a, its pet, you've become its inferior by such a significance that it, it becomes quite dangerous for the human race 
and, and its existence. So I think we, we either have to merge with it to, to remain on top of the food chain, or we have to accept that it, it's going to you know, <laughs> leave us behind in the dust. And within a century, it's going to be completely a, a godlike entity that we take all our orders from. Maybe it won't bother with us. Maybe it will help us. But, you know, there's also a 50-50 probability that it will come after us and just not want us and want to exterminate us. And these are some of the challenges that I think a lot of transhumanists are facing in this world. We wanted transhumanists. We all wanted to become people who could live indefinitely and have power and go off planet. But here it is now that AI might actually be the, the, the crux and the problem, you know, in the, in the situation and might end um, humanity as we know. And none of us become transhumans. So we're in this, this major dilemma that's developed in the last two years because of how far AI has progressed. Zoltan, I know you uh, created and started the United States Transhumanist Party. That seems to be a great hub for people who are just getting into this. Uh, it's important for people out there to get involved in this because they need to understand what the political data, the debate is, the ethics behind it, and be able to challenge it to fine tune uh, what's going on. And just because people want to live longer uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily evil either. It's technology. It's dependence. It depends on who's wielding it. So where can we find out more about you and where can people reach you if they have any questions? Sure. Well, you can go to uh, transhumanistparty.org uh, to find out more information about the party. Again, like I said, a lot of people are actually quite libertarian, if they, even if they are transhumanists. That might sound strange to a lot of people, but we all began as people that wanted to preserve our freedom. And I think for finding out more about myself, you can Google me. Uh, my novel is The Transhumanist Wager, which is, uh, uh, you know, kind of changed the movement in ways that launched activism in the movement. And uh, But, uh, you know, I write for the Newsweek, New York Times, places like that. So just Google me and you'll find all sorts of things. The Transhumanist Party will tell you, that website will take you to another one, the official one, and you can look at the Transhumanist Bill of Rights. But there's all people across all the spec political spectrum dealing with transhumanism. The more people we have in it, the more conversation. I can tell you right now, especially with AI so sophisticated, we all got to be in this dialogue because this is a <laughs> this is a very challenging time for humanity. And if we don't do this right, we might end up losing ourselves completely. Zoltan Isfahan is our guest. Thanks for joining us. You guys can find out more about him at ZoltanIsfahan.org. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the American Journal. I'm Chris Dante Harris. There is a war on for your mind. Your mind is a battlefield. This is an information war. InfoWars popularized those terms more than two decades ago. And today, whether it's Donald Trump or Governor DeSantis or Dr. Robert Malone, they're all using the terms that InfoWars has popularized because we understand the enemy's operations and we know how to beat them. But we can't do it without funding. And we make it easy to fund with great products that empower you and your immune system and your family as well. You can also make straight donations at InfoWarsStore.com, clicking on the big red banner, a one-time or recurring. But I'm asking you to take action. We're nonviolent. But every time you donate money, every time you buy products, every time you keep us on air, you are literally, nonviolently, politically, punching the New World Order in the nose, punching their lies in the nose. We are going to defeat the New World Order. We're going over the top. But right now is a critical juncture. So please go to InfoWarsStore.com and donate now. Donate now. Donate now.